We are in the third and final part of a series we started a couple of weeks ago on Easter. And of course, Easter is we're being reflective upon we're being reflective on God's story. That that is kind of the apex, the pinnacle where all of us got included. And we were looking at his story, what God is doing in humanity. And he is, he's brought us into that. And we, we, all of us get inserted into God's story right there at the cross. Why? Because it was for the joy that was set before Jesus that he endured the cross, that he went to it. He looked all the way through, through time infinite. And he looked and he saw me and he saw you with our sins being dealt with and us having the opportunity to be reconnected with our Father God. And Jesus was like, it is worth it. It is worth it. And we were inserted and brought into full swing into God's story right there in that moment, even though we didn't show up on the scene until thousands of years later. When then the last week we talked about our own story. And how we, took, we looked at the life of, of Thomas and looked at him. And he's had his, his kind of is reflective of our walk with God. Once we've come to Christ, we, well, a lot of times we have these all-in moments. And then we have these questions and we have these doubts. And we see that, you know what, that those pieces are okay. We're not Christian freaks if we have these these issues, if we have questions and doubts, as we're coming along the conveyor belt of heaven, we're not rejects, and God says, oh, you had a doubt or a question, click, you, you don't pass quality control. No, Thomas had all of that stuff, and God used him in an incredible way. It's okay that we're in process. It is all right that we are in process, and we need to embrace that as an individual, that God wants to work in our own lives. And this week... We're looking at our story, that we got engrafted into something bigger than us. That the, yes, that we were on God's mind there at the cross, that he individually has something for us. And we have to have that down deep on the inside of us, that we matter to God as individuals. But we also have to understand that there is something bigger in scope, that, that we are connected with something grander and wider than we can ever even fully wrap our minds around. That there, this is not just my story. This is not just his story. This is our story together. And as we're going to click through this today and, and look at some of these things, we're actually going to take the life of Mary. Because that thing of wanting to bring together and be collective in this our, in this collectiveness, in this big family, is so reflective of a mother's heart. And so as we're today on Mother's Day, we're going to see how you and I, I'm not a mom, but I tell you what, guess what? God's not just for all of the wonderful nurturing characteristics that our moms display. Those are characteristics of God himself, okay? It wasn't that the Godhead is motherless. All of that nurturing thing, and we see images of it throughout the scriptures, whether it was that he had desired to, to gather Israel as a mother Ken gathers her chicks and, and that he, he desired to, to take care of and, and nurture. We see all of these images. And, and we need to embrace that, that idea that, that mom just wants everybody there. I know there are moms all over the country that the only gift they wanted was to be, to be able to see everybody, have everybody under one roof. That they just desire that collectiveness. And we're going to learn from that today. So go ahead and... You take open your bulletin. You've got your fill-in-the-blanks there. You've got your notes. 
and we're just going to cruise through this together. See, God's story is about his love for us, individually and collectively. His story is about all of humanity, and he wants us to be willing to make it our own. And when we look at how Mary was seemingly swept up into God's story, we see a mo- <clears throat> how a mother's heart gives us a glimpse into making it our story. And when we begin to look at Mary's story, we see she first gets, she first gets pulled in here with this, little, with this little idea that we must accept the fact that God's favor comes to us and through us. I think it's pretty cool that this week on the blog, in fact, today, so if you go on the, the website and pull up the blog, the um, favor was talked about today. The favor was talked about just a couple of days ago. and Nobody knew that this is what we were going to be dealing with this week. But this concept of favor. Now, a lot of times outside of Christian circles, we only think of favor as uh, somebody does something for you, that they've done you a favor. But favor is actually this concept that, that we understand it in the concept of, you know, oh, your mama's favorite. You know, how many of y'all know that in, you know, that there were some favorites? You know what? A good mama makes everybody believe they're their favorite. They secretly don't tell anybody, but they know. I'm mama's favorite. I know my mama did that with me. You know? And uh, that, that's just the way mamas do that, that she's going to go out of her way to bless you and be there for you. And see, and that is one of the things we have to understand that that we have to accept that God's favor comes to us and then that favor is supposed to go through us to other people. And when we begin to embrace that our story is bigger than ourselves, we understand that we have to be channels of God's favor, that God's light and love begins to shine on other people because of how we respond to them in light of God's care for us. See, moms just just naturally, they just naturally click, they just naturally do this. They just have this thing, this whole unmerited thing. You didn't earn it. I'm just going to do it for you just because I love you. You know, sometimes as dads, we can be a little more hard-nosed and say, you know, kid, I told you. It's just the way it is. You got to, but moms will come in there. There was a teacher that had uh, been uh, teaching on magnetism and magnets and had had the whole little little study and showed all of her students and they went through everything and then they had the the test at on that friday and she put this little question on the test she said i have six letters in my name my the first one is an m and i pick up things that was the question on this test almost 50 percent of the test came back with the answer, mother. <laughs> I have six letters and I pick up things. Moms do that. The kids don't, they, the kids don't deserve it. I'm telling you, there are socks and clothes strung. Uh, how, I don't understand how, it, we are, in my house we have stairs. I don't understand how socks and underwear, used underwear, end up on the stairs. How do, they end up on the, how do they end up on the stairs? That's not a place where you change. It wasn't that they got dropped in carrying all of the other clothes to the laundry. Why? Because they don't do it. 
We have to make them. We have to like get a little, all right, carry this stuff so your mother doesn't have to come up here and, and do this. And they're just stuff is just, will be just strewn all over the place. And moms, out of this desire, out of this favor, will come in and say they don't deserve, you don't deserve to have your room picked up. You don't deserve all that, but mamas just love you. And they just come in there. We have to understand. That's why we look so much at the fact that God has just loves us. It's his desire to bring us to him. That's the, the whole wonderful, beautiful difference of Christianity and every other thing that tries to insert a God-man relationship is that God is working to bring us to himself instead of this concept of God laying out these lines and saying, all right, meet these criteria if you want to come to me. No, God is come to us. We see here in Luke chapter 1, that uh, the angel of the Lord speaking to Mary said, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. See, favor is just this concept of friendly or favorable regard, approval or support. See, it is one of those things when, when we understand that God has decided to, to like us, God has decided to like us in spite of ourselves, that he has decided to, to be favorable towards us, it should be easier for us to extend that to other folks. It ought to just begin to flow out of our lives that we are one of these things called a favorite. You know, we see the Israelites and the Amalekites and all of those other ites. Well, guess what? You know, Jesus said, you know, there's no more Jew or Gentile. There's no more ites in Christ. Guess what? Because we're all favorites. We've all been brought in and we are recipients of God's favor. We're all of the same clan in Christ. He's decided to dump his favor on us. He loves us. He loves you. He loves us all together. And that's what's awesome. Because you know what? That should remind us. The guy that drives you up the wall, you just look at him and go, he's God's favorite. That ought to just make you excited. You're like, man, God can love that guy that much? I'm going to be all right. Because God, I'm telling you, it is just, it is, once we get the, our minds wrapped around that, it just changes everything. Favor is just, it changes it all. See, Luke chapter 2, we're going to go ahead and jump here in verse 10. It says, but the angel of the Lord, this has come to the, the, to the shepherds. We, we, if you're familiar with the Christmas story, this is, we're back there again. It says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and singing, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. So here, Mary receives and understands that she has received God's favor and, and embraces that. And then that child, when that child is born, and it, that announcement gets, gets done, it has produced favor to all of humanity. The favor came to her, and the favor came through her. We have to embrace that God wants to do that with our own lives. And favor is this place where, where God has restored us to where we're supposed to be. I tell you what, Adam, my goodness, he lived in favor. He was in the right place. He had all that he needed to eat. He had, he had the spouse picked for him by God. 
I tell you what, all of us who've you know, been pursuing God when we were choosing our spouses, we all wanted that God show me the one. Oh, Lord, I want to make sure this is the one. You know, God help me. You know, when Cutie and I were, were <clears throat> recording and dating, then she had had prayers and God showed her and <clears throat> confirmed to her that I was the one. And she has to go back to those moments every once in a while. Oh, that's right. I did, I did it right. God said. That's right. I didn't make a mistake. And, uh, and so, but, but Adam, there was no question. God strolls up with her and says, here she is. I mean, you talk about favor. They had everything they needed. Then God is wanting to restore us to that place where we're not down here on this low level eking a living, but where there's in this place, we're in the provision that God had had for us all along. Now, I've shared with y'all before, we would go camping and all of that. That was part of just my, my childhood. That's why my wife says if it was up to us, we'd be in tents. I have a lot of great memories in tents. There's nothing wrong with being out in a tent in the great outdoors. And, and uh, we would gone on one of these uh, uh, <clears throat> family trips. And we initially were going to just ski. That's what our boat was for. Is we would just ski and tube and do all that kind of stuff. It was just raining and drizzling and, and miserable. So... We were just hanging around the, the campsite. My dad went to a little place, bought three cane pole fishing poles. Just a little simple deal. It was just for us to have something to do. And uh, me and my two younger sisters, my two little sisters. So we're standing on the, the bank, and we've got our worms and our cane poles. And, um, you know, pretty soon I want my little baby sister catching a fish. I'm like, all right, cool. And then my other sister catches a little fish, and they're just a little perch. And so and then they catch some more fish. And then they begin to catch some more fish. And I still hadn't caught anything. Well, I'm the older brother. I'm supposed to be like the, the best at everything. And they're not, I'm not catching anything. And we're standing. I mean, they're like right there. I'm right here. This is, it's, just, it's just messed up. How are they catching and I'm not catching? So now they wouldn't touch a worm and they would not touch the fish. So it was constantly they would say, Daddy, Daddy, I caught a fish, I caught a fish. And they'd carry their little pole over to my dad, and he'd unhook it. And we weren't prepared, so we had little dish pans full of water. And he would just dump them in there, and they're just darting around in these dish pans. Well, they just keep catching fish. So when they would leave, I would take their spot. And I would get in their spot, and then they'd come yelling at me. It's like, you, you moved. And then they would get right where I was, and they would catch fish. It was just, they had the same kind of cane pole, the same kind of worms, the same kind of everything, and they were just out catching me. And I'm telling you, this, this is no exaggeration. My, my sister Ginger caught al- almost 60 fish in just about an hour and a half. My sister Heather caught in the high 30s, okay? My mom, my, my Ginger got tired of catching fish. It became boring because every time she put it in there, she lets my mom take her pole and fish. My mom comes and catches two dozen fish. I caught six. Six. My little, I mean, ten to one outfished me. It was driving me up the wall. Every minute it went by. Every fish that came out of the water drove me crazy. I wanted to break that cane pole over her head. It was just, this was just wrong. And just drove me up the wall. And I would take their spots and do all that. And then finally they, get, they, they thought it was funny to take my spot and then catch fish there. And it, it was just frustrating. Finally my dad was like, okay, something, something is messed up here. Something is out of whack here. And I should have noticed that I only caught those six fish 
seemed like flukes because they weren't whenever my bobber was all the way in. And my dad takes the poles and looks at them. And my sisters are set about this deep with their hooks. And I'm set about this deep without my hook. And for some reason, all the fish were up in the upper part. And they just lived there. And my little worm was just wee down in the basement. And they just didn't even know. And I would catch as I was coming up to see if my worm had drowned to death or had squirmed off or had bailed on me. And I would bring it up to just check on it. Just see if it was just still there. And then, boom, it would, you know, I'd catch a fish and I would be all excited. And I should have caught on. <clears throat> but see, there was, there was this thing that they, they were wired, they were bobbered, they were tethered to keep everything on a higher level. And so here they're having all of this favor. They're getting all of these results. And I'm down here at the bottom getting deadly squat. Anything that happens, it was an accident. It was just a total fluke. Until finally, daddy comes in and raises me up to the level I should have been. And then I caught a few more fish, and then it was done, and we were through. And it was just, <clears throat> it was still just a scarring experience. <laughs> and uh, I'm still a horrible fisherman. If you want to feel good about your fishing, just take me with you. And so, and because uh, you'll catch fish, and I won't, and, and I'll be a sore sport about it, and you'll get to make fun of me. But that's the way the favor does. We, in our sin, whenever we're in ourself, and our, we are down in the, the trugs of life. We're down in the basement of this stuff. And we were just trying to make something happen. Trying to do it. And the whole point of Christ is to bring this place of favor and to raise us back up where we're supposed to be. So we can live the life God has called us to live. We're at this place where it's not because we're smarter or better or any of those other things. It's because we've been restored to where we're supposed to be. Now that depth thing, that depth thing, that, is, that gets set in our hearts and in our minds. That's why it has to be renewed. We have to understand that we are favored by God. We have to step into our days and get up in the morning and understand that God is for us that day. Otherwise, what will we do? We will automatically slink back into, okay, I've got to sludge through another day. I've got to pour through another day. I've got to just press through another day. And we will eke out and anything good that happens is just going to look like a fluke. In our eyes, instead of everybody else seeming to live in this other place. We're like, they're not smarter than me. They're not either. What is the difference? It's because when we let God renew our minds and remind us that we are a favored people, that he wants to do things in us and through us, and we begin to think and prioritize his way. You know what? We can't, we ha if we're going to live, but we have to prioritize the right things. Family is a big deal. Mamas understand that. That's why mamas will sit there and go, I won't work, even though I could have all this, even though she'd love to go shopping and buy a purse and all that kind of stuff. Say, I won't work and I'll stay at home with my family. Why? Because family is a big deal. It's, more, it's a priority. You can't, no money can replace. No money can replace family. You have to keep it in there. Now, when you put everything in the right order, can you have money too? Can you have a, Absolutely. Absolutely. But we have to keep those priorities. And that's whenever we begin to understand what God is for us. He is for us. And that's why we can courageously do things according to his priorities and knowing. Now the world, they struggle to make it over on this way. We can try to go live that way. Or we can say, God, I'm going to line up because you're for me. And you're going to make things happen that just don't seem to happen for anybody else. That is, 
God comes in and, and they're the, the socks that get picked up and the slack that gets dealt with because God has favored us. And we have to understand that. <clears throat> this is not an excuse to, to live a, a spiritually lazy life. That's not. It ought to inspire us to, to be all that we should be. Luke chapter 4 says, The Spirit, just as Jesus saying it, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. What is good news to the poor? That they don't have to be poor. You can have some provision. That's the good news to the poor. It's not that, okay, well, one day you're going to be taken care of in heaven, but you're just going to still be trudging through here. No, it's that in Christ, all your talents, your giftings, and all those things can be harvested, can be brought to light. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That we can live on a different place, on a different level. That is what Christ is doing, is to draw us up and to restore our lives. See, the next thing we get from, from Mary is that we have to say yes to our role in nurturing others. See, Luke one thirty one that it was presented to her in 30. <clears throat> and then we have Luke one thirty one said, You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him his name Jesus. And then in, we jump down to verse 38 to get Mary's response. And it says, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. God is asking her and, and telling her, you have favor. And in that favor, you're going to nurture the Son of God. You're going to nurture what God is doing. And she said, yes, I'll do it. We have to be willing to do that. If we're going to live in God's favor, we have to be willing to be people who are doling out God's favor. We have to be willing to nurture people and deal with people in their immaturity. Deal with them in their immaturity. You know what? You know, we don't have any records of, you know, of Jesus just reaching over and turning anything he grabbed into a bottle to feed himself. You know, he turned water to wine. Sure, he did lots of miracles. But Mary took care of him as a child. She was his mother. She, <clears throat> she nurtured him. And this idea of selflessness comes in. That's why the fruit of the Spirit are so important. Because we can't have the fruit of the Spirit happen in our lives with us being at the center of it. We can't. It's when we begin to put other people. That's why the fruit of the Spirit is necessary. Why do I need to be patient? Because you may drive me up the wall. And so I need to be patient. Why do I need to be faithful? Because you're depending on me. Why do I need to be all of these other things? Of the fruit of the Spirit. Why? Because of the connectiveness that we have with each other. It is so vital. It is so important. And moms, they reveal this to us. They, they show it to us. There was uh, another uh, teacher who was working on his students and getting them ready for the tax test. Yeah. Getting them wired, fired, and ready to rock it out. So, and said, okay, we're going to do a little fraction problem here. And said, okay, there, there are seven people in your family. Your mom and your dad and five kids. And your mom bakes a pie. Okay? How many pieces in a fraction are there are you going to get? What piece of the pie in a fraction? How much of the pie in a fraction are you going to get? And one little guy raises his hand at the back, confident, and said, Okay, what's the answer? He said, one sixth. 
No, 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 you don't, you're not understanding. There are seven people in your family. Yeah, one-sixth. No, there are seven people in your family. I understand, teacher. I would get one-sixth of the pie. He says, oh, no, this is... I'm going to lose my job. They're not going to pass the text. Is what's happening here. He said, what is... You're, you're not understanding fractions. He says, yeah, I do. He said, my mama would say she don't want a piece. <laughs> That's the way mamas are. They're willing to give. They're willing to nurture. They're willing to dole out and make sacrifices so that the others can have more. That is what we, we have to be. To, for this to be our story... We have to be willing to say, you know what? I want you to have more. For the, I want my brothers and sisters in Christ to have more. I'm willing to make sacrifices so you can get more of what God has for you. I'm willing to give a little more of my time. I'm willing to be a little more patient. I'm willing to do all of these different things. Why? Because this isn't just about me. This is our story. This is a family. And I want you to have more of what's going on. It is so vital. When we look at the, the Hebrew Old Testament idea, we have the word com, that's translated compassion. It actually is, comes from the root word of womb. It is uh, tied to a, a mother's and birthing concept, this idea of compassion. Now, why would the Hebrew compassion be tied to that? Why? Because compassion we have compassion on somebody we're giving them a second chance that we are we are giving them a fresh start on that maybe they deserve to be to be <clears throat> dealt with severely maybe in our minds they deserve that but our compassion gives them in this fresh place see john 13 says a new command i give you love one another as i have loved you so you must love one another by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another. It is this nurturing thing. That's why patience and progress are the, the, the pillars of, of what we want happening here at Celebration Church. Why? We want progress because we've got to go in our own lives from faith to faith, from glory to glory. We hold up patience on the other hand, with everybody else as they're moving in their process. Why? Because they may not move as fast as we'd like them to. Say, so, haven't you dealt with this issue in your life yet? Well, I'm moving. I'm moving. So we hold up the ideals of patience and progress. Why? Because that makes it our story. We keep everybody on the boat. We keep everybody growing. We keep everybody in process. We keep it our story. If we hold the patience and progress, if we're willing to nurture each other along. And then we see this willingness to understand, <clears throat> to deal with inconveniences due to my father's business. God's up to something in everybody's life. He has some business he's dealing with in everybody's life. And we need, when we make it our story, we need to be willing to deal with some inconveniences that come along as somebody is dealing with God's business in their life. We see the story here in Luke chapter 2. It says, and when they had finished the days, this is uh, Joseph and, and Mary and the boy Jesus. It says, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother didn't know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they were traveling in a big group. They thought he was, you know, hanging with the other kids. 
It says, and they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. <clears throat> and so when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now, so it was that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. All right. The mother of Jesus, picked by God, got a little worried. You know what, moms? It happens. It's because you care. You know, just because you get a little worried, don't think, oh, I've gotten out of faith. Da, 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 da. Just dial it back in. Remember what God's, God's in control. But she got a little worried. She got anxious. Said, And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? He had some other business he was attending to. And it inconvenienced them. And they had to be willing. Mary was willing when she understood what was happening, to allow that. We need to be aware that, you know, somebody is snippy with you, somebody cut you off, somebody's not as nice to you. We're going to have to be patient because we don't know what they're dealing with in life. We need to shift to a place instead of offense, to a place of prayer for them. We need to think maybe man, God's up to something in their life. Maybe God needs to be up to something. They need to embrace what God is trying to do in their life. Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I shared with the men on Tuesday that the pattern of this world that we have to reject is to fail and to flee. That's the pattern. I've messed up with God, so I'm ditching God. I've messed up, and I, I don't want to deal with this. See, we have to reject that pattern. We have to, if we fail, we come right back to God. That's the place we need to go first. Because then that transformation takes place in our lives. That God's business gets done. And then the last thing we want to look at this morning is the fact that we need to be willing to expand our concept of family. I love that about somehow my kids have, have caught that. They... There are multiple people, multiple families in our lives. And my children feel like our extended parents, extended uh, um, sisters and brothers. And just the concept of family is just bigger than blood. And I'm so thankful that somehow they caught that because in Christ it's just the truth. It's just the truth. That we, that God has hooked us up and, it's, and family is bigger than our own bloodline. It's defined by God's bloodline, by Christ. And when we are, have embraced that and, and taken that, we're all of the same family. And that took place in Mary's life. See, John 19, near the cross of Christ, stood his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother there, the disciple whom he loved, standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, his disciple took her into his home. Here the concept of family got expanded. He was, he was going to be leaving. He was, going, he was dying, resurrecting, going to be there another 40 days, and he was going to be gone, and he took care of his mom and said, Here's a son for you. Here, you, you need to treat this as your own mother. 
that that concept and the reliance and the dependability of family it got expanded. I know there are multiple families in our church that when they that get together and have holidays together, and just like they have done it all their whole lives, because their our concept of family has grown. See, a world class mom always has room in her heart for one more. Growing up as kids, we always knew that there was, there was a, we always had a friend whose mom was just, we could just go over there. She just treated us as her own. Man, I had a f- friend, I'd go over there. We'd be at his house all the time. And man, if you didn't act right, man, I tell you what, I just about got the beating of my life one time when I decided to use some Spanish that I learned on the work site. And uh, yeah, it was inappropriate. I didn't know it though. I thought it meant thingy. It didn't mean thingy. <laughs> but I mean, I tell you what, she'd get a newspaper and just beat me. And she'd do that with her own kids. I mean, we said that she just, that's just the way she was. It was an extended family who just brought you in and, and would, would take care of you as your own and rebuke you as your own and love you as your own. That is what our concept of family needs to be expanded. I love the movie Meet the Robinsons. And uh, that movie shows that family can be bigger than just what you came into the world connected with. Not that you flee that to create your own ideal, but that our concept needs to grow. And that becomes our story when we realize that when somebody in our church is hurting, that's part of our family that's hurting. When somebody has a victory, then that's part of our family that had a win. It is so, so vital. See, Ephesians 3 tells us, For this cause... I will bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. God is about expanding his family. And when we understand his story, we begin to understand that it's my story and that it's our story because his story is about expanding his family. And we have to begin to integrate and act like that is what's happening. See, in this moment right now, In the scope of history, we need to be willing to embrace this truth that God is still writing his story, and that story is ours. That's why it's exciting to me about here what's happening with believers on the other side of the world. Why? Because that's our story. That's why we like being hooked up with our missions organizations. It's not just so we can have something that we can write a check to. Why? But we are participating with our family on a whole different continent. It It is exciting. They're our family. They're part of us. And as they win, our family's being expanded. It is so wonderfully exciting. Now this morning, on Mother's Day, when we celebrate the fact that, um, that births were made, that a, a mama was willing to carry a child and, and go the distance and to nurture, I think what is a beautiful thing that, that we begin our lives at, in Christ with what's called the new birth. And so here on Mother's Day, we want to make sure everybody's had an opportunity to enjoy that new birth. So I appreciate it if everyone would just kind of bow your heads and close your eyes. We want to create a quiet moment here. And that this, this favor thing with God, this expanded family thing, this new bloodline thing, it all begins at one place. And that's when you, your heart recognizes that you needed a Savior. That you needed your, your sin and your shortcomings to be dealt with. That you couldn't do it on your own. 
that you needed that. 